0: So when a national and horrific tragedy strikes on Saturday before Sunday, it becomes especially challenging for the preacher. We've, we've prepared, we've planned, we've put together this service. And then at the late hour, circumstances change. It raises questions about what we should do. I hope and pray that what I've prepared for this day might still speak to us. So I want you to bear with me and I'm going to try to make some connections that we might hear God's promises, that we might be covered afresh with God's love and that we might be called faithfully to live as God's people in the world. Let us pray. Holy God, in these trying times, show us your mercy. Guide us in your way. We seek to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the day was quite memorable. Our oldest child, our son, uh, was getting his driver's license. So you think about that stage in life. It's full of excitement for child and parent, but also fear. It's full of Joy and anticipation, but also worries and concerns, as many of you know, we lived in Blacksburg at the time in Montgomery county, and this is how it worked for a sixteen year old getting his driver 's license in that county, moving from uh, into this new realm of freedom. This is how it worked. You took your driver 's education courses you took your hours driving in one of those little cars with student driver, a big sign on the top of it. and uh, You filled out all the proper papers, and if you passed all of that, then you were given a time and a date to show up at the courthouse with your parents and in a courtroom before a judge with your parents. Uh, you heard a nice talk, and then the judge released the license to the parents who could give it to the child or not. So Ginger and I went with our son Sandy into the uh, uh, Blacksburg-Montgomery County Courthouse after he had met all these requirements. And we sat in the courtroom for this ceremony and the judge came in in a black robe and we all stood up and and then we sat down and he gave this eloquent speech to a courtroom full of kids and their parents about the motto of Montgomery County, which was on the wall on a plaque. The motto of Montgomery County is this. Freedom increases responsibility. So the judge's message. You may have earned your driver's license. You may have moved to this new stage and age with new freedoms. You might have skills. You might have a right to drive a car. But all of this comes also always with increased responsibility. And he made it clear. Just because you can drive a car doesn't mean you should drive a car. It depends on responsibility. And he made it clear, just because you have a driver's license doesn't mean you're responsible. Each parent in the room could decide whether their 16-year-old was responsible or not because he was going to give the license to the parents. It was a nice speech. It was memorable, obviously. And it remains an important point. Freedom increases responsibility. In our first lesson from Genesis, you heard about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have a judge to remind them going in to the beautiful garden full of lush greens and vegetation, and they still messed it up. Surrounded uh, with abundance, God instructed them. They could eat of all the trees in the garden except for one tree in the middle of the garden. God gave them freedom. And bless them so much, but with limits. Not everything is permitted. There are responsibilities. That's the message. But you heard the story again. You remember the story. The woman lured by the serpent saw that the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes. And the tree was also to be desired to make one wise. So she took of the food and ate. And she gave some of it to her husband And he ate. And then we heard the rest of the story. God comes around. Adam, where are you? Adam blames Eve. And by implication, even blames God. Did you hear what Adam said? The woman you gave to me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. So this first encounter between God and God's people reflects the Human tendency to denial. And what Adam is saying so clearly, I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for what I did. I have, I'm not the one to blame. This is how it goes so often, right? The fault may lie in the stars. The fault lies in how we were raised. Or the fault lies in some configuration of our genes. Or the fault lies in the result of some incident or some trauma that happened to us along the way in some other place, in some other time. We've become so adept at denying personal responsibility. Adam denies any responsibility. Eve actually echoes the same refrain. She says, the serpent tricked me. Blame, blame, blame. This is a story about freedoms... And limits and how freedom increases responsibility. It's a story that wants to teach us that we are in trouble when we live freely and without responsibility. Freedoms always have limits. We cannot just live, folks. We live with God. We cannot just live and deny responsibility. We live responsibly. We live ethically. The very next story in the Bible is in chapter 4, and it goes from drama to tragedy. And We touched on this recently, a couple weeks ago, the story of Cain and Abel, and that story is also about responsibility, but not just personal responsibility, it's about moral responsibility. Cain, you remember, kills his brother Abel. Well, the Lord comes around again with a question to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, and God is saying this today. What you have done, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain doesn't deny personal responsibility. He doesn't say I couldn't help it. He doesn't say someone else or something else made me do it. He doesn't say the blame lies elsewhere, which we're so good at. Cain denies something different. He denies moral responsibility. He acted, and he acted freely. But he sees no reason why it's a problem. He sees no reason why he should be held accountable, because he thinks he's not his brother's keeper. He is not his brother's keeper he says, to God. So Adam, in the first story, conveyed that his will and his actions uh, were powerless before the world. He couldn't help it. He was not responsible. His wife gave him the fruit. Cain conveys the very opposite. The world is powerless before him. Cain can do whatever he wants. He can even kill his brother. He thinks freedom is the only thing. He has no responsibility to anyone. For him, There's no ought. There's only the is. For Cain, there's no sense of authority beyond what he wants to do. It's all about freedoms. There's no conscience. There's no morality. It's all whatever he wants. No moral responsibility for him. And sadly, this is what we saw play out yesterday. In a synagogue in Pittsburgh, an unspeakable act of hatred and immorality. We grieve for our nation, pulled once again into unnecessary violence, grief. So many people are grieving there today. Fear, it's everywhere. And shame, we grieve for more gun deaths, gun violence. We have a long way to go. And we confront this fresh reality Hearing these stories in Genesis, reminding us how quickly life goes south when we live without responsibility. We're reminded again how far we are from God and God's plans. The scriptures are always trying to show us another way, getting our attention, luring us in to life with God, life for God. Life for God's purposes in the world. God made us. We belong to God. God seeks to live in partnership with us. But it's always with responsibility. The next story in Genesis brings us to another well-known figure. His name is Noah. You've heard of it. When we're introduced to him in chapter 6, we learn that Noah is surrounded by wicked generations. Right? The verse also says that Noah was righteous. Noah, walk with God. But as the story unfolds, things don't go so well for Noah. The world around Noah has become full of selfishness and immoral people who have been living out the examples of Adam and Cain. No personal, no moral responsibility. And so it says this, and listen to this verse, the Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Wow. I'm going to read it again. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was evil continually. Everywhere. Wickedness. So Elie Wiesel, you know the name, the great spiritual writer and winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, once asked, who's the saddest person in the Bible? Who's the saddest person in the Bible? And you ponder this for a moment. You think maybe it was Moses. Moses did all this work, and he led the people to the promised land, but he never went in. Maybe he is the most saddest in the Bible. Or maybe it's Job. Job has all this that happens to him, and his friends laugh at him, and it only gets worse. Maybe he's the saddest person in the Bible. Or you say, maybe it's one of the prophets who cried out for justice, cried tears for justice. It never seemed to come. Maybe one of the prophets is the saddest person, or perhaps it's even Jesus. We hear his crying from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe Jesus is the saddest person in the Bible. Elie Wiesel says, you know who the saddest person in the Bible is? It's God. It's God. And it might be summarized in that verse from Genesis. The Lord saw the wickedness of humankind and it was very great in the earth and every inclination of their thoughts, of their hearts was evil continually. That is a description of a sad God. Perhaps this is how God feels today. Perhaps God is thinking this very same thing today. So much possibility. And so much hatred and killing. So much wealth. And so much poverty. So much advancement with health care. And all we do is fight about who gets it. So many resources. So much greed claiming it. So many desperate people around the world. And what we talk about is wars and walls and wickedness. But as you may recall, God calls Noah and has a plan to deal with this. And Noah was righteous and blameless before the generation. So God instructed Noah, make yourself an ark and I will establish my covenant with you and your people and every kind of animal and you'll bring them in in the ark and you'll be saved from the floods. That's what happens. So Noah did this. It says three times, Noah did what God commanded him. He built an ark. Then the floods came, the earth is covered and then in due time The flood subsides and God gets going again with the world. The best intentions for the world. But at the end of the story, the Noah story, Noah is not a hero. Noah is shown drunk from wine, laying naked and bringing shame on his family. And this is what the Jewish sages say about Noah. He may have been very righteous in himself. He may have been righteous among his generation, which was especially wicked, remember, but he had no impact on his contemporaries. He simply built the ark by himself. He doesn't think about anyone else. He's just making an ark and gathering his family and some animals. He doesn't urge anyone to mend their ways. He doesn't pray for anybody. He doesn't appeal to God. What's up with your justice, God? How can you be about this? What about the world that you've made? He doesn't do any of that like other people do later on in Scripture. Noah may be righteous, blameless in, the, in his generation, but he's not a hero. Uh, the sages say he denied collective responsibility, right? He worked in obedience for himself, to himself, for his family. That's it. He ignored his community. The call to be in service to God and with others. Adam denied personal responsibility. Someone else was to blame. Cain, he denied moral responsibility. He's not his brother's keeper. He can do anything he wants. Noah denied collective responsibility. This is a way to think about collective responsibility. There are two ways of keeping warm when you're cold. You can go out and buy a coat or you can build a fire. You buy a coat, you get warm. You build a fire. Lots of people get warm. Noah, the righteous man in his generation, failed to live beyond himself. You cannot survive while the rest of the world drowns and still survive. Individual efforts and individual righteousness, it's never enough. We need to remember that in these days, these times. To be moral... Is to be responsible. Is to live with and for others. To care about the world. To make the world a better place. To share in the joys and cry with the people who are crying. And then rally to do something about it. We're part of society. Collective responsibility is our way. Then we have two other lessons today. I'm getting to them. Genesis 12. God redirects everything. In Genesis 12 we discover how God finally seeks to redeem the world. To bring about God's purposes in the world, which is so inclined toward selfishness and evil. What does God do? Well, listen to this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, go from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then we have a few verses from Matthew, from Jesus. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So in Genesis 12, God initiates a new plan. Abraham and Sarah are called, and they are blessed, and they have one purpose. One purpose. Be a blessing to the world. That all the world will be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed. We've heard these early stories. They show so much about ourselves. We're still trying to learn these lessons. But then with Abraham and Sarah and all that follows through Moses, through the land, through the prophets, through the teachings of Jesus, we keep called. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility. This is one of the greatest themes of the whole Bible. We're we're God's people. And we have one purpose. Be a blessing. Live with responsibility. Be a blessing. God made the world and God makes us. God wants to move the world toward the kingdom of heaven. We're created in God's image. We know so well there's a gap between what is and what ought. God shows it to us, and God wants us to address it. Move from what is to what ought to be, the reign of God. Not everything that is, is, is good. Not all that's done is right. In fact, we're surrounded by a lot that's not right. And with God's help, we imagine a world that God imagines. A world of peace, a world of hope, a world of wholeness. And we're to live with responsibility, co-creators with God, getting the world to that place of redemption. This is the ever-arching, overarching theme of the Bible to show us our calling. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Aligning our lives with the purposes and plans of God. It matters, therefore, what we do. It matters, especially in these days, what we do. How we live our lives. What we give our gifts to. God's work for the healing, the redemption of the world. Let your light shine, Jesus says. It's all about responsibility. See, we can't just be nominal Christians who have a veneer on. We've got to live faithfully toward the reign of God. We have enough of the veneer. We need faithfulness, responsibility to the reign of God. We can't just strive to do a little bit and call it godly. We've been doing that. We've been given life and freedom. We got big work to do for the kingdom of God. Does your heart break for these people suffering near and far? We got work to do. Does your heart hurt for how better it could be in God's realm? We got work to do. Does your heart long for the healing of the world? Responsibility. We got work to do. What we have is for God. What we offer is for God. May God show us the way. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, bless us. Make us a blessing. And pour out your much-needed blessing Everywhere. Amen.